Prime members, you can listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. During these challenging times, Vice President Kamala Harris talks to 60 Minutes about her role in the Biden administration. How often do you meet with him? Multiple times a day. You consider yourself partners? Absolutely. Joe Biden. And concerns among Democrats about whether the Biden-Harris ticket can win re-election. That is a concern, and, and a legitimate concern. Our democracy is on the line, Bill. And I frankly, in my head, do not have time for parlor games. What happens if Vladimir Putin enters another country besides Ukraine by force? He already has. 15 years ago, Russia invaded neighboring Georgia. It has military stationed there and controls 20% of the country. What's next? The Russians are buying apartments here in every 33 minutes, and they're registering a business in every 26 minutes. So we're on the brink of a very dangerous situation here in Georgia. I thought, wow, this is even worse than I thought. That's what happens with our exhaled breath. It may be the biggest takeaway from the pandemic. Our indoor air needs to be ventilated and filtered at a much higher level. Think about the public health gains we've made over the past hundred years. Where has indoor air been in that conversation? It's totally forgotten about. And the pandemic showed what a glaring mistake that was. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Bill Whitaker. I'm Anderson Cooper. I'm Sharon Alfonsi. I'm John Wertheim. I'm Cecilia Vega. I'm Scott Pelley. Those stories and more tonight on this special 90-minute edition of 60 Minutes. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. 
but those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Israel has begun what Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu calls the second stage of the war by expanding its military ground operations in Gaza. We spoke with Vice President Kamala Harris this past week as the Biden administration was trying to balance Israel's need to retaliate against Hamas with the urgent need to get relief to the Palestinian people. Vice President Harris told us she is also involved in the administration's efforts on the war in Ukraine, as well as countless intractable problems, including gun violence at home. But with the Middle East on a razor's edge, we started our conversation there. How close is this to becoming a regional conflict that could draw in U.S. troops? We have absolutely no intention, nor do we have any plans to send combat troops into Israel or Gaza, period. Vice President Harris told us the U.S. is not telling Israel what to do, but is providing advice, equipment, and diplomatic support. A terrorist organization, Hamas, slaughtered hundreds of young people at a concert. By most estimates, at least 1,400 Israelis are dead. Israel without any question, has a right to defend itself. That being said, it is very important that there be no conflation between Hamas and the Palestinians. The Palestinians deserve equal measures of safety and security, self-determination and dignity, and we have been very clear that the rules of war must be adhered to and that there be humanitarian aid that flows. She told us the U.S. wants to keep the conflict from escalating, but that's proving difficult. In the last two weeks, Hezbollah in Lebanon and the Houthis in Yemen, both proxies of Iran, have launched missiles, rockets, and drones against Israel. And Iranian-backed militias have fired on U.S. troops stationed in Iraq and Syria. In response, the U.S. launched airstrikes against Iranian weapons facilities in Syria. If that weren't enough of a signal to Iran and other adversaries, the Pentagon has also deployed two imposing aircraft carrier strike groups to the region. And what's the message to Iran? Don't. As President Biden said, just don't. Exactly. One word. Pretty straightforward. Since the Hamas attack on Israel, the vice president says she has spoken with President Isaac Herzog of Israel and joined President Biden on calls with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas. 
President Joe Biden told us in a statement, this is as high stakes and complex a situation as it gets, and Kamala is my partner in all of it. He told us Harris's advice and counsel are invaluable. When he was vice president, Mr. Biden famously said that he wanted to be the last person in the room with President Obama. Mm Do you have that relationship with President Biden? I do. You do? I do. And, um, and I take that responsibility quite seriously. How often do you meet with him? Multiple times a day, quite often, unless he or I are traveling. And They're in total agreement the U.S. must stand with Israel and Ukraine, two democracies well, under attack. We are as committed to Ukraine as we've always been to authorize additional aid to defend itself against Russia's unprovoked aggression, that is not going to waver. Does this war in the Middle East put Ukraine on a back burner? Not for us. No, it does not put put them on a back burner at all. Vice President Harris has visited 19 countries and met with more than 100 world leaders. But lately, she has been the administration's point person on domestic priorities, traveling the country talking up the Democrats' key issues before the 2024 election, issues she hopes will fire up the base but are bound to inflame the GOP. She went to North Carolina to mark the anniversary of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. How dare they attack our fundamental rights? How dare they attack our freedom? In Virginia, it was guns. Our nation is being torn apart by gun violence. We joined the vice president and second gentleman, Doug Emhoff, on Air Force Two for a trip to Las Vegas. It was five days after the terror attack on Israel. While in the air, the vice president joined a secure video call with the president and their national security teams to discuss measures to keep the homeland safe. Once on the ground in Las Vegas, Vice President Harris went to the College of Southern Nevada, the eighth stop on her Fight for Our Freedoms college tour. Because you voted... Joe Biden is president of the United States, and I am vice president of the United States. Because you voted. But nationally, the Biden-Harris administration is not generating the kind of enthusiasm she's seeing on her tour. A recent CBS poll found that at the beginning of President Biden's term, 70% of young people, people under 30, said he was doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Now it's less than 50%. Why is that? What's going on? If you poll how young people feel about the climate and the warming of our planet, it polls as one of their top concerns. When we talk about what we are doing with student loan debt, polls very high. Uh, the challenge that we have as an administration is we've got to let people know who brung it to them. <laughs> That's our challenge. But it is not that the work we are doing is not very, very popular with a lot of people. She blames the disconnect in part on lack of media coverage. Still, the vice president herself is not very popular now. Just 41% of adults told CBS News they approve of the job she's doing, about the same for President Biden. 
We talked to her the day before the carnage in Maine, but she had told us issues like mass shootings are more important than poll numbers. You have a portfolio that includes gun violence, the root cause of migration. Mm -hmm. These are some of the most intractable issues Mm -hmm. facing the country. We've done some of the most significant gun safety laws in 30 years, but we still need an assault weapons ban. It doesn't have to be this way. There was an assault weapons ban at one time. It expired. Let's renew it. Most Americans say that they don't think you're doing a good job on the border, you and the administration. The number of people trying to cross the U.S. southern border is at an all-time high. It's no secret that we have a broken immigration system. Short term, we need a safe, orderly, and humane border policy. And long-term, we need to invest in the root causes of migration. But the bottom line, Congress needs to act. Come on, participate in the solution instead of political gamesmanship. If politics is a game, Kamala Harris has proven herself to be a savvy player, forging a career that has gone from one first to another. The child of an Indian mother and a Jamaican father, she was the first woman district attorney for San Francisco, the first woman to serve as California's attorney general, the first woman of color elected senator from California. So help me God. And the first woman and woman of color to be elected vice president of the United States. Being in that unique position, being that first, does that bring added pressure? No doubt. No doubt. You know, my mother, she would say, Kamala, you may be the first to do many things. Make sure you're not the last. And among the responsibilities that I carry and maybe impose on myself, that is one of them. So this was... She showed us around the vice president's ceremonial office. I brought in this bust of Thurgood Marshall. Uh And I always have him over my right shoulder in the drawer here. The desk where previous vice presidents left their signatures. Al Gore, Quayle, Cheney, Harry Truman. Some of these men went on to become president, but Kamala Harris told us she is focused on getting the Biden-Harris ticket re-elected next year. The GOP is using her low poll numbers and President Biden's age as a battering ram, and some Democrats are growing worried. We were talking to some Democratic donors, Mm -hmm. and they have told us that should something befall President Biden, and he is not able to run, Mm -hmm. that there would be a free-for-all for who would run as president. You are in the spot that that would be unnatural for you to step up, but we're hearing from donors that they would not naturally fall into line. Why is that? Well... First of all, I'm not going to engage in that hypothetical because Joe Biden is very much alive and running for re-election. But you do know, I mean, that is a concern and and a legitimate concern, I would say. I hear from a lot of different people a lot of different things. But let me just tell you, I'm focused on the job. I truly am. Our democracy is on the line, Bill. And I frankly, in my head do not have time for parlor games when we have a president who is running for re-election. That's it. Joe Biden. 
Conventional wisdom is that most presidential elections are won or lost on the economy, and while inflation has been coming down, prices for basics like food and shelter remain staggeringly high. We came into office during the height of a pandemic. Record unemployment. And because of our economic policies, we now are reducing inflation. We have created over 14 million new jobs. We've created over 800,000 new manufacturing jobs. Wages are up. And so we've seen great progress. Considering what you are laying out as your achievements, Mm -hmm. you have the current front runner for the GOP, Donald Trump, facing, what, 91 criminal charges? I've lost count. Yet, the Biden-Harris ticket is running neck and neck with Donald Trump. Why are you not 30 points ahead? Well, I'm not, I'm not a political pundit, so I, I, I'm not going to speak to that. But what I will say is this. When the American people are able to take a close look at election time on their options, I think the choice is going to be clear. Bill, we're going to win. Let me just tell you that. We're going to win. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but we will win. You say that with such conviction. I have no doubt, but I also have no doubt it's going to be a lot of work. And everyone's going to have to participate. This is a democracy. Democracy. She said that word often during our interview. Despite the criticism and low poll numbers, former prosecutor Kamala Harris told us she's prepared to trust the verdict of the American people. Do you have to ask yourself why are people seeming not to hear our message? I look at it more as, let's keep getting out there. And as with any election, we've got to make our case to the American people. That's part of our responsibility. And that's this process. And that's what it is. And that's a fair process. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
The day Russia invaded one of its neighbors, waged a bloody war, and seized a fifth of that neighbor's territory, fear and shock rippled throughout the region. We're not talking about Russia's invasion of Ukraine, rather the small country of Georgia. That invasion was more than 15 years ago. Vladimir Putin's playbook hasn't changed much. Today, Georgia, which shares a 556-mile border with Russia, is still trying to remove the grip of the Kremlin. Days after Russia invaded Ukraine, Georgia submitted an application to become part of the European Union, with hopes of gaining a Western insurance policy to protect it. Tonight, you will hear from the president of Georgia, Salome Zorabashvili. The daughter of Georgian refugees raised in Paris, she says that Vladimir Putin has launched a quiet invasion of Georgia in an attempt to extend Russia's reach. The war in Ukraine is now moving into its third year. How is the war there impacting life here? It is, of course, a reminder of uh, everything that this country has gone through uh, and uh, of the fact that it's uh, always uh, an immediate uh, danger and threat. It's uh, already uh, part of the reality that Russia is testing the ground. You think the Russians are testing the ground right now in Georgia? Right now. How so? Here, uh, their way, their easy way, uh, is the hybrid war. A hybrid war that has included online and televised disinformation campaigns and anti-Western propaganda pumped into Georgia, a favorite tactic of the Kremlin. Georgians have seen it before. In 2008, three weeks before Russia launched its first airstrike in Georgia, Moscow hit the country with a series of cyber attacks. The five-day bloody battle that followed ended with Russia seizing 20 percent of Georgia's land. President Zorabashvili says the mostly muted international reaction to that war laid the groundwork for Russia's invasion of Ukraine and Vladimir Putin's plan to bring former Soviet republics back into the Russian fold. Today, a fifth of Georgia is occupied by the Russian military and an estimated 8,000 Russian troops are inside the Georgian border. We traveled with Georgian security forces 37 miles outside the capital of Tbilisi into the tiny village of Kervaleti. Today, it is a rural no-man's land. Oh my. Across a rickety bridge, we found an abandoned stretch of farmland choked off by barbed wire. Warning signs to stay out. Oh, there she is and a defiant 87-year-old Valya Benishvili. The Russians have told me, this is our land. And I said, no, our land is in Russia. This is our land, not yours. You have no rights here. How long have you been surrounded by the barbed wire? For 15 years. In 2008, her land was seized by Russian troops. The grandmother of four still refuses to surrender her home. Caught up from family, she relies on outsiders and a stick to deliver food and the medicine she needs. She whispered to us that the Russians were watching us from over that hill. Are you afraid of the Russians? Yes, I'm afraid of them. What if they take me and detain me? Nobody can help me. I'm alone. When it's only a couple of them, I can always answer them and fight back. But when it's a lot of them, there is nothing I can do. 
Georgia is bordered on the north by Russia, the east by Azerbaijan, and the south by Armenia and Turkey. The bridge between the Black and Caspian Sea, an important route for natural gas and oil. High up in the mountains of Georgia, we saw another reason the small country of nearly four million is crucial to the Kremlin. A long line of trucks, many of them carrying European cargo across the border into Russia. United Nations data shows that since the war began, everything from cars to chemicals have rolled into Russia through Georgia, some in violation of Western sanctions, a lifeline for Putin's regime. There is traffic coming into Georgia, too. Thousands of Russian nationals entering the country in cars and on foot, extending for miles and arriving in waves, first at the beginning of the Ukraine war in 2022, and again last September, when fighting-age men fled Russia's mandated military service. But some Georgians worry Putin loyalists could be entering the country too, laying the groundwork for Russia's next move. When Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine in 2022, he said it was to, among other things, protect the Russians living there. President Zorbashvili fears Putin could launch a similar campaign in Georgia. Since the war, Georgia has become home to 100,000 Russians. It's very unnerving when in your own country you have people that are talking the language of the enemy uh, and that believe that they're at home. The Russians believe that they are at home. They're behaving and believing that they are very much at home. Uh, so th there is a fine line, and that line has to be kept so that we do not have incidents in the future that would allow uh, Russia to use their favored doctrine of protecting uh, Russian-speaking uh, citizens. So why doesn't Georgia just say no more Russians that is through our border? a question for the authorities. Aren't you the authority? No, I don't have the executive powers, and unfortunately. The executive power to control Georgia's borders is squarely in the hands of its prime minister, Arakli Garabashvili. Publicly, he said that he supports the country's bid to move away from neighboring Russia and join the European Union. But his actions and inactions tell a different story. Since the Ukraine invasion, Prime Minister Garabashvili agreed to resume flights between Tbilisi and Moscow for the first time in almost five years. He's also failed to adopt strong sanctions against Russia. Critics of the Prime Minister accuse him of being in the pocket of a Georgian oligarch, Bidzina Ivanshvili, a billionaire who helped get him elected. The 67-year-old oligarch made his fortune in Russia and served a brief stint as Georgia's Prime Minister. His $50 million home looms over Tbilisi, a reminder of his wealth and power. Last summer, European lawmakers called for sanctions against the oligarch for his, quote, links to the Kremlin, a connection that could undermine Georgia's EU bid. We're going in with um, a government that's completely corrupt, a government that's pro-Russian, clearly anti-Western, um, clearly does not really care about what the majority of the population wants and needs. Anna Tavadze and Dachi Medadze are members of the Shea Movement, a group with thousands of young followers working towards Georgia's entry into the European Union. If Russia wins, it means loss of freedom, loss of everything that we fought for in the past 30 years, basically. It's a fight for values. It's a fight for where you want to stand in this uh, big fight for democracy. As soon as 
West in any form, be it the U.S. partnership, be it European Union, is not represented in this country. Russia will fill the void right away. They say the influx of Russians is already changing the face of Georgia. What are they doing if we look at it? They're buying apartments, they're buying private property, they're opening up businesses. Um, their actions changed uh, Georgian economy. The Russians are buying apartments here in every 33 minutes. They're purchasing a piece of land in every 27 minutes. And they're registering a business in every 26 minutes. So I think we're on the brink of a very dangerous situation here in Georgia. According to public records, Russians have registered 21,000 businesses in Georgia over the last 18 months and launched five new Russian-only schools none of which are licensed by Georgia's Department of Education. Russians have driven rent up nearly 130 percent. Prices for everything from food to cars have gone up 7 percent. Over 100,000 Georgians have left the country because many of them can't afford to live here anymore. I've heard this described as a quiet invasion. Quiet invasion, yeah. There's a risk of the economic divergence, there's a risk of military intervention, and there's a risk of uh, Georgia's statehood being destroyed. Emmanuel Lisnev, George Smorgulenko, and Pavel Bakadov don't look like much of a threat. All Russians in their 20s, they fled their country for fear of being drafted or imprisoned for speaking out against Putin. They now live in Georgia and work at this Russian-owned comedy club in Tbilisi. I tried, uh, said I'm against the war in Russia. Uh, I was beaten and uh, after that gone to prison uh, three times. So three times you went to jail? Uh, yes, yes, three times. I believe and I know that Russians are actually against the war. You think that most Russians are against the war? Yeah, just scared, really scared. Have any of you had any aggression towards you because you're Russian? Actually, I have... Uh, Big writing on the wall. It is the biggest thing I see from my window. Just big Russians go home. There is no subtlety in spray paint. Anti-Russian graffiti blankets the city along with support for Ukraine. On crumbling walls, the Georgian flag is joined with those of the European Union, the U.S. and NATO. Over 80 percent of the Georgian public backs entry into the EU, as does Georgian President Zorbashvili. But her position has become increasingly ceremonial as the country moves towards a parliamentary government. After she went to Europe to try and pave the way for Georgia's EU bid, Prime Minister Arakli Garabashvili accused her of violating the Constitution, banned her from traveling to Europe, and tried but failed to impeach her. President Zorabashvili has defiantly continued to fly to Europe to meet with leaders on her own dime. It doesn't seem like the prime minister is interested in joining the EU. Well, that's a question that the whole population is asking, whether they really want it or whether it's lip service. This is a critical time. Do you feel like the West, particularly the U.S., has been responsive enough and supportive enough of Georgia in this moment? I don't think so. Uh, and I would take one concrete example. Uh, I've been a president now for five years, uh, and I've not managed uh, to have uh, any form of meeting at my level, which would be the president or the vice president, uh, even through a phone call. I understand that 
there are more urgent issues, but I think that some more public recognition is needed. Recognition of? Of the fact that the United States is supporting our uh, candidate status within the European Union. I know that that is the language that the U.S. has with our European partners, uh, but that being repeated by at the highest level uh, would be uh, meaningful for the uh, Georgian population. The EU has laid out a list of requirements for Georgia to become a candidate for membership. The conditions include tackling corruption and lessening the economic and political influence of domestic oligarchs. A decision is expected by the end of the year. What happens to Georgia if the EU denies the bid? It would be a big victory for Russia. A victory Valya Vanishvili refuses to give them. 87 years old, she says she is holding her ground for herself and for Georgia. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Now, Dr. John LaPook on assignment for 60 Minutes. With a new strain of COVID on the rise and flu season just getting started, we thought now would be a good time to consider what the pandemic has taught us about preventing the spread of potentially deadly respiratory infections. It turns out viruses like the one that causes COVID-19 can travel through the air much farther than six feet. So public health advice focusing on social distancing, handwashing, and masking wasn't enough. Air quality scientists say from the start of the pandemic, it also should have focused on improving the air we all breathe indoors. Now, some companies are doing just that for the health of their workers and the health of their bottom line. The original sin of the pandemic was the failure to recognize airborne transmission. Professor Joe Allen of Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health believes the rapid spread of COVID in early 2020 was preventable. Think about the public health gains we've made over the past 100 years. We've made improvements to water quality, outdoor air pollution, our food safety. We've made improvements to sanitation, absolute basics of public health. Where has indoor air been in that conversation? It's totally forgotten about. And the pandemic showed what a glaring mistake that was. What do you think was lost because of that lag in understanding of how this was spread? Tens of thousands of lives in the U.S., many more globally. Not an exaggeration. It's also no exaggeration to say those early days of COVID were unforgettable. In the U.S., by March 2020, 
The virus began taking its toll in places like the Life Care Center Nursing Home in Kirkland, Washington. 60 miles away in Mount Vernon, Washington, the Skagit Valley Corral held one of its weekly rehearsals in a church. Half the members stayed away, but the other half showed up. Among them were board members Debbie Amos, Mark and Ruth Backlund, and Coisy Bettinger. We just thought hand sanitizer, wash your hands a lot. You know, don't hug each other because that's touch. None of it was good enough. Within a few days, corral members began to get sick. In all, COVID hit 53 of the 61 people there that night. Two of them, both in their 80s, died. We were going, this has got to be spread some other way because we were good. We were good. So COVID was percolating and you thought you were doing everything you were supposed to do. Yes. Right. Skagit County health officials said the rehearsal could be considered a super-spreading event, one of the earliest in the country, and concluded that choir members had an intense and prolonged exposure to surfaces, droplets, and possibly even microscopic airborne particles called aerosols containing the virus. That caught the attention of Lindsay Marr, a Virginia Tech University professor specializing in aerosol science, and several of her fellow researchers. Even though the medical community was focused on droplets, surfaces, and hand washing, these researchers strongly believed COVID was mostly an airborne disease, but needed more proof. So they launched their own analysis. I thought, wow, this is even worse than I thought. This has to be airborne. There's really no other explanation for it. Some people are going to say, oh, they all touch the same doorknob. But after the first few people touch that doorknob, there's no more virus left. That's what happens with our exhaled breath. Now, Professor Marr used a portable fogger to help explain how so many choir members could have gotten sick. When they're singing, they are releasing virus particles into the air constantly, probably, like this. And those are going to drift around in the room. Notice they're not just falling to the ground. And now, as we continue to sing, there's more and more of them in the room. And you can see as they're drifting around, they're reaching these other people nearby. And they were there for two and a half hours. And you can imagine that after that amount of time, the other people would have breathed in enough of them to get sick themselves. Especially if, at night, the HVAC system was turned off. As far as we know, it wasn't running. And so there there was very poor ventilation in that room when this was all happening. An HVAC unit, short for heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, is the heart and lungs of any building. The researchers suspected the thermostat most likely shut off the HVAC unit because the corral members were generating enough heat on their own. And right now, there's no ventilation? Very, very low. Okay. And actually, it's similar to what was in the church where the, the, the group was rehearsing. Then, Professor Marr turned up the circulation to show us how better airflow could have helped remove aerosols and slow the spread of virus. Instead of just drifting all over the room, you can actually see it, right, going up through there. I sure can. That is dramatic to see that. The analysis led to one of the most significant papers on the importance of ventilation published during the pandemic. Then, last year, a study in Italy went further. It found that by using a school's fans and air ducts to mechanically exchange indoor air with outdoor air five times an hour, the risk of COVID-19 infections decreased by at least 80 percent. 
But in the U.S., it took until this past May for the CDC to recommend an air exchange rate at all. If you look at the way we design and operate buildings, and I mean offices, schools, local coffee shop, we haven't designed for health. We have bare minimum standards. In schools, the minimum air change by design is about three air changes per hour. And remember, we want at least four to six. If we'd had these indoor air quality targets before the pandemic, how do you think the pandemic would have unfolded differently? We still would have had spread. This isn't an end the pandemic thing. We would have had a lot less of it, and we've had a lot less of these super spreading events. Think about the early days of the pandemic with flatten the curve, stay home. Why wasn't improve indoor air quality part of flatten the curve? We had tools to protect ourselves. Masking, great tool. It's a filter. But we ignored the building side of this. So, Aaron. Buildings are Alan's business. As the founder of Harvard's Healthy Buildings program, he diagnoses problems in air quality systems and comes up with solutions for clients that include CBS's parent company, Paramount, and commercial real estate companies like Beacon Capital Partners, with buildings like this one in downtown Boston. And he advised Amazon before these new 22-story towers opened last May in Arlington, Virginia, where he gave us a tour. What does a state-of-the-art building look like in terms of air? We well, see a lot of the elements in this building. You have a dedicated outdoor air system that's delivering air above the minimum requirements. Then it's going through two MERV-13 filter banks, and you have highly filtered air. MERV stands for Minimum Efficiency Reporting Value. A rating of 13 means it catches up to 90% of airborne particles, depending on their size, as the first line of defense, not just against COVID, but other airborne respiratory viruses, like flu and RSV. This is the part of the building nobody ever sees, but this determines whether or not you're healthy or sick in the building. Really, what happens in this space. You can just see the filters on the right here. At Amazon's new offices, the top floor is a maze of motors, pipes, and air ducts. This is the air intake. Part of a $2.5 million HVAC system that begins with massive rooftop vents and dampers. Right here, this is the whole air handling system. This is where the air comes into the building. It's filtered, it's cooled, and then delivered. This determines how much air actually reaches the office space where people are working and how clean that air is. Downstairs, each floor has a sensor that tells building engineers about the quality of the indoor air, such as levels of carbon dioxide, known as CO2. We breathe out the carbon dioxide. That's right. The less carbon dioxide, the better the ventilation. Really straightforward. High carbon dioxide means you're not getting enough outdoor air from that system we just looked at. If it's low, you're in good shape. Then we also measure particles. That tells us things about, like, outdoor air pollution. The entire system can be monitored and controlled from the basement. Remember we talked about carbon dioxide as an indicator for ventilation? Well, I can see in this building all of these are under 800 parts per million. So that's good. That's great and really important. If a lot of people went into a space, the CO2 level would rise, this system would recognize it, the dampers would open up and bring in a lot more outdoor air. Katie Hughes, Amazon's director of health and safety, pointed to the waves of wildfire smoke that have swept down from Canada as the ultimate test of the indoor air quality system. Not too long ago, Washington and Virginia were sort of smothered by this smoke coming down from Canada. What happened in this building? You would expect the air quality within the facility to not be great. Our buildings were performing very well.
Hughes says Amazon has been updating many of its HVAC systems, including in its warehouses. A recent survey of facility managers in the U.S. and Canada found that since March 2020, roughly two-thirds of respondents have upgraded their MERV filters and increased their air exchange rates. In New York City, J.P. Morgan Chase says its new headquarters will have state-of-the-art air quality controls. And this new skyscraper, called One Vanderbilt, already runs a modern HVAC system. COVID shifted everybody's mindset in terms of air quality, in terms of communicable or infectious diseases. Are you finding that Amazon is making a business decision, partially, by saying, look, it's okay for you to come back to work because we're telling you that the air inside this building is safe. I think it's one of many reasons why we expect or would like people back in the office. That is a, a good thing to have. It's probably one of many things. A well-operating HVAC system is not only good for the health of employees, it can be good for the health of companies too, especially with people working remotely leaving many commercial building owners looking for tenants. There's empty office space in New York City and elsewhere. How do you think this new thinking might affect that in terms of people even wanting to come to work? The dynamic has changed. It's a total buyer's or tenant's market. All else equal, which building are you going to go to? You have your choice right now. This building that put in healthy building controls or this building that's designed the way we've always designed buildings, and is prone to being a sick building. So it actually can help the bottom line, in addition to, of course, improving health. Yeah. What about retrofitting a building that's old? I think it's a misconception that old buildings can't be healthy buildings. Some of these fixes don't take much. Improving the level of filtration, that's easy, it's cheap, protects against COVID-19, influenza, also protects against wildfire smoke and outdoor air pollution, protects against allergens, Simple, absolute, basic things that can be done. The Skagit Valley Chorale rehearsals are now in a different church with a new HVAC system. Doors stay open to bring in fresh air, regardless of the season. And there are even portable carbon dioxide monitors to track ventilation. We've been through a traumatic experience, and... We've tried to learn from that and did help the science with the aerosol study. And now we're moving on in a way that we can still sing, but in a more safe manner. Do you worry that when the spotlight of the pandemic starts to fade, that people will forget and that they won't act the way they should in terms of buildings? I'm a bit more optimistic than that. I think there are fundamental shifts that have happened. The scientific and medical literature is being rewritten. The government and standard-setting bodies are setting new health-based standards. Businesses are responding and won't forget what this meant to their employees' health and their business. So I don't think we're going to forget these lessons. We better not. What we know now about the effectiveness of masking. Masks, even cloth masks, do something. At 60MinutesOvertime.com. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sharon Alfonsi. We'll be back next week with another edition of 60 Minutes. If you like 60 Minutes, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.